When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Giants Training Camp 2022 is presented by Ford, the official SUV of the New York Giants. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Welcome to the newest edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. My name is John Schmelk. This is going to be our usual annual summer look at some of the most recent analytics in the NFL. Usually it's George Shockrury that joins us, but today it's going to be his colleague over a pro football focus. That is your chief data scientist. He's head of R&D, Dr. Eric Eager. Eric, good to have you on the show. I think we've had every other of the PFF guys on this show over the years, but we finally have you. How are you, man? It's good. I know George has become so big time that uh, I've had to take some of his media uh, away from him, but uh, it's really good to chat with you. And I, I'm excited about a, a Giants uh, offseason that has been uh, profoundly functional. Yes, let, let's talk about it. So I'll start with a real basic question. Why should Giant fans be excited when you look at the data about Brian Dable coming in to be the head coach? Well, I think it's unmistakable as far as, you know, how good that Buffalo offense has been, um, you know, one of the most efficient in the league, despite the fact that that's, you know, that they, you know, the Buffalo, uh, you know, uh, weather is the worst in the NFL as far as like, you know, temperature and wind and stuff. And they're still able to be a high power team. Um, you know, they have uh, three playoff victories the last two years. Josh Allen went from a quarterback that I think many people believed was on the route to being a bust to being, you know, an MVP candidate and a max contract type of player. You know, all, you add all of that. And then I think it's the delta over what they had. And, you know, Joe Judge uh, was an, an unconventional candidate, an unconventional signing. And, you know, Jason Garrett was his offensive coordinator. And it just wasn't about, it just wasn't working, right? And and, and not only did it not work, it, it, it at some point it ceased having a chance. And, and so, you know, with, with Dable, you, you go from a, one of the most functional franchise in the NFL, in my opinion, the Buffalo Bills, you come to the Giants, and I think there's just going to be a level of competence that, that Giants fans have not been used to for the past few years. What is it about the way Buffalo's offense function and the way Dable called plays? And we don't know who's going to call plays this year. Combine that with Mike Kafka coming home from Kansas City. Again, one of the best offenses in the league over the past few years. Why should how what do those guys do specifically when you look at the data that you think could maximize some of the things the Giants have on their roster? Yeah, they really get the most out of their offensive line, both of those guys. So Kansas City last year had the highest rate of perfectly blocked runs. And it's not necessarily because they have the greatest offensive lineman in the world, but just because they negotiate box count so well that they, they, they leave good matchups for their offensive line. And, and Buffalo is the same way. Their offensive line 
struggled some last year in terms of matchups, but they ran the RPO game in such a way where once you folded in the RPOs, they had basically a league average run game, which I think most people would say, oh, they were so terrible running the ball. But if you count the plays where Josh Allen pulled the ball out and threw it, they were pretty good. So, you know, when you look at the Giants, Daniel Jones, you know, one of the more effective rushers of the football at the QB position, you know, uh, hailed for his accuracy at times at Duke and things like that. And has at times been more effective than I think that the statistics suggest or the, the you know, plain level statistics, BFF grades have been okay. Uh, you look at the playmakers they have with Kadarius Toney, um, you know, Saquon Barkley, uh, Kenny Galladay, more of like a contested ball kind of player, but still, you know, a 1,000 yard receiver in this league. You know, you add in, you know, Andrew Thomas was terrific last year. You add, uh, Aquanu to the mix and or sorry Evan Neal to the mix and I think that there are the components of a good offense and I think that there are some cheat codes that Dable can put into the system to actually you know unleash an offense that has been putrid for the most part since uh, you know the Joe Judge era started. Uh, and you even go back before that Eric it's been uh, <laughs> it's been yeah. a rough few years here for the Giants offense so I want to dig into a bunch of stuff you talked about there. Let's start with the offensive line first, because I think Giant fans finally think they're on their way, maybe not there yet, but on their way to solving the offensive line issue, which has been an issue since 2013. Evan Neal, Andrew Thomas, back-to-back first-round picks. You bring in a couple of vets, Mark Lewinsky, uh, John Feliciano inside. Are you a believer in the just-get-to-average mentality where if you can just be fine on the offensive line, as long as you have the weapons, you're good. Where do you land in terms of how much you have to invest in the offensive line for your offense to function at a high level? Yeah, I think so. I think um, the get back to average thing is, I think, a, a you know plain mathematical thing. It's like if you, you know, Andrew Thomas going from being uh, terrible as a rookie to pretty good as a, as a sophomore is going to be way more important to this team than him going from very good as a sophomore to a Pro Bowl player as as a third year player. Um, Evan Neal being an average offense tackle in year one is going to matter so much more to this team than him becoming great in future years. Like you, you want your weakest links on the offensive line becoming better or is almost always better than your good players becoming amazing. And that that's just a mathematical fact of life. Um, and, and so, you know, the giants here, you know, when they, you know, they, they took high draft picks to, to acquire their tackles. And I like that because it, it costs a lot of money. There's the Kansas City Chiefs found out with Orlando Brown, that negotiation, kind of a guy who's a 7 out of 10 as a tackle, wanted 10 out of 10 money. It's really hard It's you know, to sign tackles. It's fairly easy to sign centers and guards. And so when you can sort of get on the green at the guard position using your money, that is a positive thing. And the, and the Giants ha- have done that. And I think, you know, they're not going to remind anybody of like the middle of the – 1990s Dallas Cowboys on the offensive line but I think that they'll be good enough uh if if Daniel Jones is is you know takes a step forward under Dable they're gonna be good enough not to ruin that we're joined by head of R&D for Pro Football Focus Eric Eager also head of the PFF Forecast podcast go check it out Eric you talked about Daniel Jones being a runner and I think Giant fans agree that yeah he's an effective runner then they say oh no we don't want him to be hurt all the time which has also been a problem does the data show that the more reps you give a quarterback running the ball, the greater the chance of injury? Because I do think there is some more danger in the pocket sometimes. Guys get legs rolled, ankles rolled, knees rolled, stuff like that. What does the data show in terms of usage as a runner in terms of keeping quarterbacks healthy? 
Yeah, there's always that 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 sort of um, and I know he wasn't he was in the division with the Giants, but like when Rich Kotite told Randall Cunningham to stay in the pocket and he got injured in the pocket all the right. time. And he's like, you know, why when I ran, I could I could sort of keep these things at bay. Um, we've seen Lamar Jackson, you know, that it has pushed the envelope, has been the most uh, you know, designed runner in football we've ever seen. And and last year it 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 sort of uh fell off. Um, because, you know, of injuries and things like that. So there is that risk. There haven't been that many running quarterbacks, um, and, and the data is pretty scarce at, at the levels, um, you know, that, that maybe Daniel Jones wants to run uh, because you have, you know, for every Lamar Jackson, there's a Josh Allen who never gets hurt, right? And, and there's a Patrick Mahomes who never gets hurt or a Steve Young that rarely got hurt for San Francisco. So it's – I think the 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 question that I think Giants fans have to ask is if if you're not getting extracting all the value out of Daniel Jones now, what are you saving him for? Right. Um, and, and so I think you want to extract all the value out of him now. And if he struggles, then of course you're going to move on. If he gets hurt, you're going to move on. And if he plays great, then you have a good problem to solve. Yeah, and I feel like over there at PFF, and I've talked to a bunch of the guys, it's kind of split on where they land on Daniel Jones, right? Because a lot of his PFF grades are better than some of his traditional production numbers over the last couple of years. Where do you land looking at his career so far, his trajectory, what's been around him, some of the data? Do you think he has a good chance of, of earning a long-term deal this year, or do you think there's a long way to go? I think there's a long way to go just because the bar for what cons- – so – we've seen this before, right? Like Kyler Murray gave the the Cardinals no, no discounts really. Right. That was a 45, 46 and 0.1 million dollar per year deal. You generally speaking, it's an on or off switch as to whether or not that guy gets contract Baker Mayfield, you know, was kind of at that bar last year and then had a terrible season. And now, you know, he's, he's not going to make that much money. He's not going to make 20 million either. Um, so there's a huge chasm between, you know, the guys like Kyler Murray, the guys like, you know, Mahomes, Allen, uh, Dak Prescott, even who did get a franchise tag and, you know, guys like Jameis Winston, um, guys like Mitch Trubisky, guys who are drafted high, who didn't work out. There isn't like a middle-class quarterback contract because there it's aren't so a lot cheap. of guys making between 25 and 35 million is what you're yeah, there Cause yeah. it's so cheap to go back into the draft and just draft the next guy, right? The jets fail on Darnold. They go get uh, Zach Wilson. The, the Cardinals fail on Rosen. They go back and get Kyler Murray. It's, it's not, you know, long gone are the days of, you know, what Pey- or Eli Manning cost the giants to be their first pick. Um, you know, Sam Bradford for the Rams. That's not, it's not a huge investment anymore. Uh, to draft a quarterback high money wise the way they used to be. So teams are willing to do it and they're willing to discard, uh, you know, uh, the Daniel Jones of the world. I think the best case scenario for Daniel Jones is for him to play well um, and, and to eventually, you know, sort of earn the, earn the tag. Um, And and if, and if that happens, then they can go back to the table and might cost the giants more money if they're wrong about him. But I think they gladly pay the 50 million. It's going to end up being if he becomes an elite quarterback. Don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What are the things Giant fans, aside from the basic stats that they know to look for, Eric, that you think they should be keeping an eye on, whether it's your guys' specific metrics or something else that you like to watch, where you're seeing the progress, where you're like, you know what? We're willing to do one more year with Daniel on the tag and see where he's at. Where do you look for the most improvement in the areas he needs to get better at that might give Giant fans, you know, confidence? That's all right. Let's give it one more year and see where we're at. I think for him, it's not even, and this is where a lot of folks were, you know, critical of PFF um, because we didn't grade him as well as a rookie, even though he had great numbers, 24 touchdowns, 12 picks. Um, But where I would look is, you know, what percentage of pressures are turning into sacks? 2020, that number was 22%. Last year was a little bit better at 16%. Um, You know, how often is he taking sacks? How often is he taking pressure? Because pressure is generally speaking, uh, half a quarterback stat and half a quarterback stat, uh, half a offensive line stat. So, is he taking less pressure? Is he converting fewer those fewer of those pressures into sacks? Um, when he scrambles, you know what what is his? You know, is he is he scrambling to gain yardage or is he scrambling to get hurt? You know that kind of thing. Um, and the other one, which this one is the one that fell off, is you know after a 2020 season where he was pretty good. You know, he had 17 turnover worthy plays and 24 what we call big time throws. He, he regressed last year, seven big-time throws, 12 turnover-worthy plays. Um, a lot of those are fumbles in the pocket. He actually got better at that last year. He was terrible in his first couple of years. But it, it's it's all about – for me, it's not even the throwing necessarily. It's more the how is he doing with pressure? Is is it Can he is can he be effective at not getting sacks with pressure? And then can he, be a, can he not fumble the ball in the pocket? Because those are drive killers that I don't think that the Giants – uh, can can really uh, put up with but you look at things like yards per attempt and stuff like that I mean the first you know five games of the season he's seven and a half yards per attempt 10.1 yards per attempt 7.6 7.8 7.2 all of those are more than passable at the NFL level yeah and look I think I think you hit it right he's done a good job of reducing the turnovers but the big plays have gone down with that and even more dramatically you got to get the big plays back up a little bit but keep the keep the negative plays down one other thing on the offense, Eric, I want to ask you, because I know as of a few years ago, there was a big corollary where teams that use more pre-snap motion tended to be more effective, you know, uh, expected at a point, stuff like that. Has that stuck or have defensive figured out a little bit more how to deal with some of that pre-snap motion? Is there as much of a corollary anymore? No, it's there. I mean, the the things now, it's, it's pre-snap motion. It's, you know, it's play action. RPOs are a little bit interesting because, I do think that the league is sort of finding out you're just not seeing linebackers move as much. So RPOs are nowhere close to as effective um, as before, but yeah, I I think, um, you know, it's, it's all those things pushing the easy buttons. The other one is box count negotiation. When, if you have Saquon Barkley in the backfield, can you play four wide receivers and still block up the run play? Because I think if Barkley is one-on-one with linebackers, you're probably in a good spot. So, you know, I think, I think for them, it's it's going to be trying to push all the easy buttons. You did see a lot of motion the other day in their practice, which I think is a great thing because it's just going to unlock some of the stuff that Kadarius Tony, 
uh, you know, can do as well as, you know, the Sterling Shepherds and the Darius Slaytons of the world that I think, you know, I know Slayton's second string right now, but, you know, guys that I think can, can be effective players, um, you know, it, it unlocks some of their talents. All right. Last, last team specific question before we get into some like gen- generic concepts, wing Martinsdale's defense, obviously we know pressure, a lot of man to man, try to get sacks, give up some big plays. The corners got hurt last year. Everything went to, you know what, are we missing anything with wings defense or, or does or is that what the data tells you too? No, it's there. And and I think this is where, you, you know, Giants, the Giants fans can be a little nervous, right? Because when I looked at the Ravens, now the Giants have the one of, if not, I can't remember if, it, if when I remand the numbers, they ended up having the easiest schedule in the NFL. But the Giants schedule is the, yeah, 1.32 points better than the average team's schedule on a neutral field. Meaning like they're playing a very easy schedule of opponents and so this might not matter this year because man coverage, what man coverage does is it exacerbates the differences between the two teams. So for the longest time, the Ravens, you know, they would play a ton of man. And because they were so good, they would shut teams. Like I remember there was one game where they had sacked the Titans 11 times and shut them out on the road. And there was nowhere for anywhere, anyone to go. And they had, you know, league's best defense in 18, a really good defense in 19. And then they face a team like Kansas City, and because Kansas City is actually better, it exacerbated that difference, and Kansas City puts up 40 on them. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's the Wink Martindale defense. I, I I kind of hope that maybe there's a little bit of, okay, when we play the great – when we play the Dallas Cowboys, we're going to play a little bit more zone. Um, <laughs> but, you know, play the Eagles and their great receivers right now. We'll play a little bit more zone. But what that defense does is it says, look, we're going we're gonna to bring four and a half a play. Um, you know, you're going to need Aziz Ojolari to build off of the sack total he had as a rookie. You're going to need, uh, you know, you're going to need Kayvon Thibodeau to be what everybody thinks he, he he is when he was the favorite to be the number one overall pick at times last year. Uh, obviously, Leonard Williams is going to have to make his money. And the corners, I know, without Bradbury, uh, you know, they're going to have to hold up. And, and that's, you know, going to be, that's a tall order, but, you know, that's the bet that they're making back there. All right, so let's talk generically now, and this is obviously specific to the Giants too, but team building. What, in your mind, looking at how teams have done it over the past five or six years, is the best way to go about building a team? Because the Giants, maybe not from scratch, but a lot of contracts came off last year, a lot more going to come off the next couple of years, and Joe Shane's going to have a really you know low salary floor to build this thing the way he wants, right? What's the best way to do this? Do you build and then bring the quarterback in last? Do you bring the quarterback in first? Do you really build up front and build out? I know you guys are a big secondary over over pass rush outfit. How would you suggest a team best go about maximizing their resources to build a team most effectively? Yeah, it's it's never as easy as saying, okay, start with this and then that because, you know, the hardest thing is, quarterbacks aren't always available what's right? available to you right exactly yeah mm-hmm. like so i i personally believe so say take um take matt stafford like i don't think you can build around matt stafford but i think you can throw matt stafford onto a winning team and win a super bowl and and, and we've seen evidence of that we've seen evidence of that in both directions right uh as detroit lions fans will tell you if you, you can't build around Kirk cousins but you can put cousins on a great team and do okay i think um Tannehill is the same way they put Tannehill on a team that had been winning and he took them to the AFC championship game but I don't think you can build around Brian Tannehill and the problem is is the Tannehills and the Staffords and the Cousins are the quarterbacks who are available and they're expensive 
Cousins was expensive. Tannehill was expensive. Uh, Stafford is extremely expensive. So if you're a rebuilding team like the Giants, you you don't you don't do you don't go down that path unless you're trying just to get to eight wins to save your job. And then even in that case, like that's not that's not what this regime for the Giants is at. This regime is in it for the long haul, and so they want to build like a sustainable way. The problem is some drafts don't have quarterbacks that are worth it, right? Like this, this year. This past draft, there weren't quarterbacks that were worth doing that for. So it's tricky, right? And so I think, you know, and the same thing, by the way, the Browns, you know, it's, you know, when they bottomed out, you know, they were wrong about Wentz, they were wrong about Goff, they were wrong about Mahomes and and, and Watson, but they were right about Trubisky. And they, they drafted Miles Garrett at one and, and pushed the, the decision back a year uh, before they got Mayfield. And that seemed to work for them until Mayfield bottomed out. So I, I think it's it's one of those where you have to you have to either build through the draft at quarterback, right? You can build you can build around a rookie deal quarterback because you have the money. You can't build around a Kirk Cousins because you don't have the money because you're paying Cousins too much. So you start with a, a quarterback who is on a rookie deal. You build around him, right? And then the, the hardest decision that you ever have to make as a team is whether or not that quarterback who did well on a rookie deal because you were able to supplement the roster with great players and great coaching, whether that guy's going to be good when your offensive coordinator gets a head coach job, when you, you have to trade Tyree kill to the dolphins, or you have to trade uh Devante or uh, AJ Brown to the, to the, um, to the Eagles. That's a harder question than is this quarterback I drafted any good. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. This is also in that team building department. We do a ton of draft stuff here and we have this, you know, this position value battle with me and my co-host all the time. I'll even go top 15 here. At what point do you not take a premium position player in the top 15? Because my argument is that, look, I can go find the really good guard in the free agent market pretty much every year and I can sign him and I'm fine. Same thing for a safety. I mean, what, Anthony Harris two years ago, he was like the second best safety in the league and bring him in for nothing. Or not nothing, but not a significant cost. So at what point for you, when you look at data and how positions impact winning, would you say, all right, in the top 15, I'm comfortable not taking one of those premium positions, corner, edge, tackle, receiver, quarterback? Yeah, I would let somebody else make that mistake, right? I mean, that's um, and it's hard to say because, you know, you might be a team that's a guard away. You might be a team that is – you know that you might see a Kyle Hamilton and say, "Okay, that guy's who. That guy's who I want to have on my team, right?" Um, you know, Jamal Adams. Uh, you know, Derwin James. Although Derwin James went to at seventeen, uh, Quentin Nelson. But the problem is, is you can get those positions. Like those guys are almost always top ten paid at their position the moment they step on the field. Eric Berry. Now this was a different CBA, but Eric Berry was the highest paid safety the first game he was in the NFL. So. 
you have to take that differential into account. You have to take, you know, when Burrow was a rookie, he was making $10 million less and half as much money as the next highest paid quarterback in the league who was a starter, which was Teddy Bridgewater. You know, that delta is so valuable. That surplus is so valuable. And you only get it when the premium positions are up, right? As I said, like, you know, left tackle is like starting pitching in baseball. If you want to get an average one, it's $15 million is the starting point. And whereas, you know, a guy like Evan Neal or a guy like Andrew Thomas, I mean, you're making a half to a quarter of that, depending upon where they're drafted. And and that to me, like you have to take that into consideration. It's no longer you can no longer just be like, hey, just draft good football players because yeah. roster building is just too difficult. And when you are the a team like the Giants, when you know you're going to have to make a tough decision about your quarterback, like you don't have you you're not afforded though. If if the Kansas City Chiefs have to make tough decisions about Orlando Brown and Tyree Kill, the Giants sure as hell have to make tough decisions <laughs> about who they who they draft and who they keep. And, and what positions they use their resources on. No, great point. All right, Eric, I, lo- I love talking about this with, with George when he's on, and, and I know you're the one at the cutting edge here, so I'd love to get your take. What are some of the new things you guys are researching, thinking about, and trying to figure out, you know, we've, we talk all about the things here, you know, passing and early downs, play action, you know, being more aggressive on fourth down. Some of the things you guys have focused on on how teams can win at the margins. What are some of the new things you guys are researching and looking at that will help teams do a better job winning at the margins and just helping them be more successful. Yeah. I mean, for us, it's right now, it's looking at weak link systems. It's exactly what you asked about the giants offensive line, which is, you know, how can I be better? How do I get better? Do I get better by making sure that Trent Williams is on my team or do I get better by making sure that Riley reef is on my team? Right. And, and, um, that kind of thing where, or in the secondary, you look at the Bengals last year and, you know, they took the surplus that they had by going Burrow, Higgins, Chase. They took that and they had six defensive backs on their team last year that were regular starters for other football teams in a previous season, meaning they had NFL experience. And not to say that Eli Apple was a gamble that they thought was going to work or that, you know, Chidobe Awuzie was a, a gamble that thought was going to work, but they brought them all in and said, hey, we're going to take the best three out of this group. And ultimately, Trey Waynes was the highest paid guy in the group, and he was yeah. the played the fewest snaps, but they were effective. And, you know, that's kind of like, I think that kind of team building strategy where you look at the weakest link and you look at these things as systems more than you look at them as individual players, you know, and, and Giants fans, I think that, you know, that it's hard because, You've had Lawrence Taylor, right? And and you think about those Super Bowls, it's all about Lawrence Taylor. You think, oh, well, actually, Leonard Marshall is pretty good, and and, and uh, Mark Collins is a pretty good corner. And, like, and, <laughs> and you you look around that defense, you're like, there aren't that many bad players on the defense. And, and so obviously, Lawrence Taylor could be amazing, and 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 you win Super Bowls that way. Um, you know, for most teams, it's about not having weak links and then having the quarterback that either is amazing on a veteran deal. Like I'm talking Mahomes, Brady, Rodgers, you know, uh Peyton Manning type quarterbacks or it's having a quarterback on a rookie deal and you you hit on that window when when they're cheap. All right, two specific things I wonder if you guys have been able to quantify yet. You know, turnovers is the ultimate coach thing, right? Where it's like win the turnover battle, win the game. And frankly, if you look at the numbers, it's generally right. Yep. But at the same time, turnovers are hard to quantify, right? And it's hard to figure out, all right, well, this is how you create turnovers. This is how you prevent turnovers. You know, there, there isn't a formula for that. And players with interceptions, year to year changes, teams, the plus minus, it can change from year to year like that. 
Have you guys been able to figure out at all the 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 magic behind the turnover, how you can create them, how you can prevent them? And because they're so important to winning, but there really doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason to a lot of them. Yeah, you have to find the process. So uh, at PFF.com this week, I wrote an article about how to bet interception props. Um, and <laughs> if you get a PFF uh, subscription, you can get access to our turnover-worthy plays metric. Turnover-worthy plays predict interceptions better than interceptions do. And so, you know, when you look at somebody, you know, like Daniel Jones is a rookie, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, but a lot of turnover-worthy plays. You know, it doesn't surprise folks that the next year's interception and touchdown ratio is more like one-to-one. You know, so preventing turnover-worthy plays, um, quantifying the differences in in turnover. So a sack fumble is almost always worse than an interception because an interception can often gain yards for the offense, right? You're throwing the ball deep and it gets picked off. Being able to sort of say, you know, to make a gradient of how bad a turnover is. Like those kind of things I think can help you and so you're not so tethered to this, oh, we were plus minus in the turnover, turnaway giveaway ratio. And you would say generally, real quick, turnovers have more to do with mistakes than by the offense than great plays by the defense, correct? Yes. Yeah. Turnover almost everything in football is driven by the offense first, and then the defense can come in, which is why, you know, you see teams like the 2017 Jags and the 2018 Bears and uh, teams of that nature never are able to sustain brilliant enough defenses to support the Blake Bortles and the Mitch Trubisky's of the world. Because ultimately, if you get 20, if you stop 20% of drives and turnovers for an entire year, that's going to be cut in half the following year. And then you wonder, can your quarterback make up that slack? I know we're up against Eric. Final question. And I've never asked anyone this. And I wonder if, if there is an answer, if you've been asked this before. Game flow has such an impact on certain players ability to get numbers right like if you're ahead all of a sudden your pass rushing do a lot more but if you're behind yes. the other team's more conservative it's hard to get sacks have you guys been able to kind of put the advantages of that type of game flow the way your team puts certain players in the down and distance situations with pass rushers for example and other positions too where you can incorporate that into your grading so you can kind of try to define how good a player is independent of those situations yeah, down and distance and stuff is in our models, score differentials in our models. So you, you, you do get a small tick because, as you said, it's easier to rush the passer when you're ahead. It's harder to rush the passer on first and 10 when you're behind by seven because you're trying to stop the run and you're trying to do all this stuff. So, yeah, that, that stuff is very much in there. We're trying we're currently building a, a bottoms up simulation that's going to take that all into explicit account. But you're absolutely right. And, you know, if, if folks want to bet for the road, by the way. Um, the, the bet to make is Kayvon Thibodeau over sacks this year because of what you're saying. The Giants play an easier schedule than everybody believes, which means there are going to be more opportunities, even for a team like the Giants, who's lined at about seven wins. They're going to be ahead more than they ever have been uh, the last few years, and I think that's going to lead to uh, some opportunities for the rookie out of Oregon. Eric, great stuff. Anything you want to promote before we say goodbye? Yep, just uh, we have an app at PFF that's coming out pretty soon. If you want to sign up to be one of the beta users, go uh, send me an email and, and I'll get you set up. Um, we're, we're hoping to soft launch the app sometime around 8.15. So um, I'm, I'm really excited for the year. I can't wait to see what the Giants have in store. Yeah, me too. I can't wait, Eric. Thanks so much. And by the way, the stuff you guys do is great. It's an invaluable resource. I really appreciate it. Um, PFF Ultimate is something I'm on every day. I cannot do my job without it. I really appreciate all the work you guys do. Thank you very much for the time. Thanks for having me on. Take care. That's the episode of the Giants Huddle Podcast. We thank Eric Eager for joining us. Stay tuned, folks, as we continue covering the Giants throughout training camp.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainer, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.